This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey gals, it is season two, episode 13 of The Real Mom Podcast, and I have a good one for you today. Today I'm talking to Val Warner, who is the biological mother of two girls, and I'm going to say my new favorite author, the author of the book Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday, which is just such a great book for moms. And I wanted her to come and speak to us today on things that are universal to all of us, to speak into our journey, even though she's not on our journey, and to just talk motherhood. So I hope you enjoy this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Val Warner. Val is a biological mother of two little girls and the author of my new favorite book for moms, Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday. I wanted to have her today because I love to just talk to biological moms sometimes. There are things that are universal to motherhood that I think we can all learn from each other and I have certainly learned from Val. So I'm happy to have her here today and to share her with you. Hi, Val. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Good. I'm so excited, too. I am like, I'm fangirling a little bit. Oh, yay. I love it. (laughs) I I love, love, love your book. I have to recommend books all the time and, you know, read people's books. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a great book. This, to me, is like as close as a sort of guidebook to motherhood as I've read. I, I think that it applies to any mom in any season with any struggle. I love it. Thank you so much. That is high praise because, you know, when you write a book and you've only been a mom for five years and you only have two kids and there, you know, there's no big struggle going on it's easy to just feel insecure about writing a book and like, you're not ready to do that. And like, you're, you know, nothing big qualified me to do that. So I really, really appreciate hearing that. That's awesome. Yeah. I can feel that way. Also just with, there are foster parents that I know who have had hundreds of placements and dealt with kids with severe abuse. and And sometimes I'm like, who am I to speak to these people? But I think the encouragement is you're someone who has dug into God's word and God has spoke to your heart. And you're just sharing that you're not saying I have all the answers. I've gone through all the things you're saying. This is what God has taught me as I've dug through his word. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, I have, um, I'm married to Tyler. We've been married almost nine years and we have two little girls. Vivi is five and a half and Vanna just turned three. Okay, so what is the the struggle right now at the five yeah. and three year old? Like, what are you what are you struggling oh. through? Okay, okay, so definitely the whining and complaining factor. Yeah. Um, it's heavy, and like honestly, the whole reason I wrote Grumpy Mom was because I'm a melancholy personality, and everything sucks me down very easily. And two whiny girls who can't find anything good about certain situations. It's like a fight to just, you know, fight for their joy and to fight for my own too. So that's where we are right now. Yeah. Well, and I love that. I think this, I love your title because I think some of us would be like, well, I'm not angry or I'm not, you know, controlling or, but 
we all have that experience of just being grumpy. And I love that you break that down into what the actual struggles are that we just kind of give it this label of like, I'm having a bad day or I'm grumpy or, you know, a bad mood, but the breaking down of what those specific struggles look like, I think makes it a lot easier for us to see what's going on in our heart and not just make an excuse like a blanket. Oh yeah. 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 And we've had moms who, as they've read the book, they're like, I didn't realize how grumpy I was, but I'm, you know, just when you start seeing examples or hear somebody else's examples, you're like, that's describes my life or this describes my situation. I just, yeah, it's hard to put those things into words. And honestly, the only reason I feel like I was able to is because I felt so desperate to figure it out. Um, and so that I wouldn't just be grumpy for, you know, the 20 years, because you can't just think like once they leave the house, I'll, I'll be fine. Or once I'm not in this stage, because there's always going to be something else. We have to figure it out. Yeah. I love that. That's so true. The fighting in the moment, we're never going to arrive especially in motherhood. And so the battles need to be had in the moment. So one, I actually just read a portion of your book on this podcast. And and I don't think I've ever done that before because it so deeply spoke to my heart. The, you talk about flexibility and Mm -hmm. how flexibility isn't a fruit of the spirit, but it's what Christ likeness looks like. This Mm -hmm. lack of control and lack of holding on to our own will and what we want and what we think should happen. And the reason I love to have biological moms on this podcast sometimes is we can get so caught up in our kids' stories and so caught up in the system and that we don't just step back and and look as moms at our own hearts. And so many of the things that we struggle with as foster adoptive moms are sort of just extra of the thing that every mom struggles with. So a mom struggling with control, well, a foster mom struggles with control the same way. It's just that we are literally out of control. So we have to struggle through those things more, but I loved just what you spoke to about control and flexibility. What does it look like for you to fight for flexibility in your own heart? Yeah, I think it is just realizing that my plan, it it sounds so basic, that my plan is not the best plan. And I think like when we first recognize that and just know like God's ultimate plan is better than anything I can come up with. I can trust him with that because I know God. And I think that's where where we have to know God and learn more about him. Right to get to that point. But if we truly know that God sees everything that I am seeing a blip in the map or, um, when we, when we truly know that I feel like it's easier to be flexible because we can trust who is in control. And we also just know inherently, like I already know I make mistakes. I screw up. So do I really want me in charge or do I want God in charge? You know, and otherwise, like really, whenever I'm holding on to my own plan, it's because I'm not thinking rationally like that. And it's, it's just easy to do. It's easy to, because, you know, the whole book talks about like the culture that we live in. It just convinces us that these things are normal, that right. if my plan is not being, you know, met to a T, if my expectations aren't being met, then there's a problem with my surroundings and not a problem with the way I'm yes. using, doing my motherhood. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I, I love, especially what you said about having to know God, we can get really practical and really mm-hmm. want to focus on the to do when really the number one to do the thing that changes our hearts throughout the situations is knowing him. And I think it can seem trite sometimes to say like, Oh, we'll just trust God and know that God is good. And, but when you are, are handing over your plans to someone that you deeply, truly know is good. It's just a whole other ball game from, from pulling to like, well, I believe my plan is best here. And I want to do what, what I believe is best here. I love just the connection you make there between knowing God and, and what it looks like to, again, a word that we can not put biblical value to like flexible, grumpy, these, well, what does it actually be flexible? It means to deeply trust God. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked a lot about, um, the Israelites and just the, I'm pretty sure it was in that chapter, but just when you think of the reality of those were moms traveling for 40 years in the desert in makeshift tents. And I make a joke about just the dust and the dirt, you know, like that is the definition of flexibility. And in our world, we just think that like certain things, we just expect them and we feel entitled to them. But whenever I think about like moms in, in like, when I just take that story and think about it in just the most practical way, you're just like, okay, that is a level of flexibility that, you know, man, I want to have that. I want to have that. I want to be okay with that. If you're traveling with 2 million people, you're going to have to be flexible. And I I can learn to be flexible with the three other people in my own house, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And even just the gratitude being the, another way to fight that, that if we just live grateful lives that see everything as something that we don't deserve, that's a gift given to us, then when those things are rattled a little bit, the gratitude we have for them in the first place overwhelms that. Yeah. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So let's also talk about just fear. I, I think that this is universal to moms. It can be specifically difficult for a mom who really isn't in control of her child's fate or is dealing with things that are truly difficult. I mean, there are some, you joke in the book about like, you know, all the things we can make up in our head that could be wrong with our kids and all of that. Yeah. Then there are some times where we're actually dealing with truly frightening things. Yeah. What has it been like to fight anxiety and fight fear for you as a mom? Um, Yeah, there is a quote that Max Lucado says um, that really, I feel like shifted so much for me. Um, He said, Fear sees a threat, anxiety imagines one. Yeah, so and um, it, it, like that just overwhelms me to think like whenever I'll start to like my let my imagination run wild and I'll have to stop myself and just know that this, like we know like worry is like a rocking chair. Like I just feel like that um, if, just knowing my imagination and the possibilities of where my thoughts can go, um, is it's not trusting the Lord. Like, like it's, 
it's basically figuring out this, like, I got to figure out this plan for all of the possible scenarios. And um, ultimately, again, it just comes back to, do we trust God? Do we trust God with this situation? Even if it looks hard, because so many things are going to be hard. And, you know, one of my biggest prayers for my girls has not been, may they not experience any hard things, you know, like may their health stay perfect or whatever, because I know those things, first of all, are not going to probably happen. Like they're going to hit hard, hard times. My prayer is that they will cling to the Lord through them, through those circumstances, because I know that you can go through something with the Lord and have more joy than if you don't go through those things without him. And God stretches us and every hardship that we go through has the opportunity to make us stronger than we were. So to see my daughters at the end of their life, having not gone through anything hard and like feeling like, well, they they're protected and sheltered and their life was good, but maybe their character is, is mm-hmm. vastly different than if they had gone through something hard and learned to walk with it with God. Um, I think that makes it easier to picture them. You know, I know people were like, Oh, I can't imagine my kid. Like, you know, dealing with bullies one day or like just the craziness of teenage years or anything like that. And I am constantly brought back to this idea that if they go through that, I just pray they go through it with God and that God uses it in a mighty way in their life. I mean, we, God promises that we're going to go through hardship and be surprised when there is hardship is first of all, just silly, not taking God at his word, but also not really accepting all the good he has in that, that trials create perseverance and perseverance creates character and hope. And those are things we want for our kids. Yeah. We don't want the trials, but we want the perseverance and the character and the hope. Well, how does God say that comes? Do we believe him that he's going to do that through the trouble? Yes. My, my pastor said yesterday, he said in America, our prayers are Lord, take it away. End it now. Fix it. Jesus, you know, these kind of things. And then, and I think it was Africa. He said, their prayer is give me stronger backs, not a lighter load and like just a totally different perspective. And I mean, I feel like if we truly just prayed for that, like I actually wrote this in one of my devotions, my sister shared it today, actually. Um, Just this idea that if we spend all of our time praying for things to not happen, we're not praying for God to make us strong when those things do inevitably happen. Like Mm we, we are missing out on, you know, just this overabundance of strength that God could be giving us when we just simply ask for it. That is so good. That is really good. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guest. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. So can you speak to a little bit just the connection life? I know I'm throwing a huge question at you, but yeah. your your husband, your friends, like what does it look like for you to find strength through those relationships and invite them into your journey of momhood? Let's talk about friends specifically. People, you know, your sisters in Christ yeah. and other people around you. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, um, 
figuring out a way to talk about motherhood differently to where we're building each other up through it. Because um, I feel like one reason, you know, we, you know, talk about the cold coffee and the, oh, I, I'm not put together because of my kids. Like I couldn't get dressed this morning and all these things. I think we really do just all want to relate to each other and find something to unify us. Mm-hmm. And um, I say it's kind of like old people talking about the weather or traffic. Like this is just something we can all, even if we don't know anybody, we can like definitely relate and like be like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's so hot. These Louisiana summers, you know, it's just easy to talk about. And I feel like it's like that with motherhood we can kind of latch onto these conversations and, and you guys honestly might have different conversations or things that come up a lot more for like foster parents. Um, we're like, and you, you could probably think of them in your head. Like, yes, this is something that we always talk about or like a, a, where, about where, caseworkers and court dates. Yes. And and, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's easy cause you can relate. And I yeah. feel like for me, it's realized that we can relate on another level Mm. and that level isn't that we don't struggle with things and it's not that we become like these stepford wives moms or whatever who like fake everything it's that we can talk about the real things but we can also say like this is what's frustrating me but i know this isn't it like this isn't it this there's more here and i want to figure it out even if i don't know what that means right now I know that I want to figure it out and I'm not just going to leave a group of moms feeling more discouraged than mm-hmm. whenever I got there. And I'm also not going to feel like I just battled for this trophy of who's, who has it the hardest. And I won, unfortunately, or I lost, but I still feel bad because I've been thinking right. about, I'm like trying to think of the other things that I should add to the list next time, you know? Um, so I think just figuring out, um, knowing that our hearts are in the right place with wanting to unify and just knowing that it's possible, especially as believers that we can unify under something else and um, see our friendships, not as something else that's going to pull us down, but as something that's going to bring us just basically lift us up with it. I love that. I love that. It's not just the negative that we have in common and that we can share that and then also share what it looks like to fight out of that. I mean, encourage each other daily doesn't mean sit together and say nice things to each other. It right. Share with each other. When I went through that, here's how I saw God. When I went through that, here's how I fought. Here's what spoke to me. And I love being in that position sometimes can feel like I have to put on this fake answer. Like Mm -hmm. I can even feel this just on social media. I don't just want to talk about how hard everything is without wrapping it up in a nice pretty picture and giving the lesson. And, but I also think sometimes it's a gift to have to do that because it forces us to do the hard work for our own struggles too. If I'm just sitting with a friend and saying, yeah, this sucks. This is hard. I hate this. But if I'm sitting with a friend and saying, this was really hard, but then even kind of doing my own work of finding the hope in it, finding God in it, I'm encouraging her and I'm encouraging myself. And it, I think right. it fights this temptation to just focus on the negative in our own heart too, when we're really intentional about our friendships in looking to bring hope to each other. Yes. And I think like the biggest thing is if you want to think about it in a really practical way, I feel like the positive has to outweigh the negative because I know I remember hearing moms just complain, complain, complain about their kids. And then at the end, they'd be like, 
oh, but it's so worth it. And then it was just kind of like, what does that, yeah, you're just like, how did you even get there? And so I think like, yes, figuring out what that actually looks like and wrestling with that. I think even as somebody seeing that whole process is good, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, for sure. We, we have support groups here locally that, that we run for foster moms. And I went to a few support groups and was like, man, I feel worse leaving the support groups because we're Mm -hmm. just sitting around and one upping each other with our negative stories and Mm -hmm. leave carrying the weight of everyone's struggles. If no one chooses to step in and change the tone. And we realized what made the change was having a few people in each group who knew strategically, I'm going to bring hope to this discussion. (laughs) And just having people who had the goal of infusing hope into the discussion change the culture of an entire group because everyone's looking for the ways to find in ways to encourage each other and to see how God is in it. And it's been such a beautiful thing. You don't need to have rules for how people talk. You just need people who are pointing to hope in their own story mm-hmm. to encourage everyone to look for hope in their story. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I feel like that is a really helpful um, sort of culture tone that you just shared. I'm really grateful for that. I want to know as a biological mom, mm-hmm. what does it look like for you to have a heart for orphan care, to be involved yeah. in caring for vulnerable children? Yeah. Um, so several years ago, actually, whenever we were trying for my second daughter, I we, we didn't try for like a crazy long time, but for my first daughter, we got pregnant right away. And for the second, it was about seven months into it, which you know, felt long. It didn't feel like an eternity. Like I know so many moms experience. Um, but I just remember being at church feeling like, um, I had this sense of like, okay, God, we might adopt one day, but I have already committed to wanting to have this second child biologically. So we're going to see this through no matter how much it takes before we do that. And I felt like at that point, the Lord released that desire. And he just said, Valerie, like that is like, you are saying that just because you're a goal oriented person and you've like started wanting this, like, you just feel like you're, you just have to complete this, see this out. And he shifted my heart so much and he put adoption in my heart and it's interesting now because we have been still praying about this for several years, but I feel like through that process, God has told me, you might not actually adopt, but you need to be a part of adoption. Every single person in the church needs to be a part of adoption because this is something, adoption is something that I call the church to. And there are moms and dads who are equipped and that I have specifically called to adopt and probably more than we think, honestly, mm-hmm. but he's called us to adopt. But if, if for any reason you think I'm not supposed to adopt or that's something for somebody else, 
you need to be a part of it in some way, whether that's financially or through prayer. Um, I, I just think like we, it is a, it's a joint effort. It's not something that should just be left to a select few to like bear the entire burden. Obviously they will bear the majority of it if they are actually raising these kids, but there is so much that we can do to support that and support them in that journey. And um, I don't think we talk about that enough, or I don't know if I've heard that view shared, but I just feel like through my own journey of, you know, honestly, like 10 or 15 years ago, I remember having a friend who talked about adoption and just feeling like, I don't feel like that's on my heart at all. And I remember seeing, it was a website. I want to say it was Archibald project yeah, yeah. where they, they like photographed um, adoptions. And I remember just sobbing at these stories and feeling the Lord break my heart for that. And then, um, going through that season and that experience at church and just feeling like, God, you have given me a heart for adoption now. Obviously, I don't know what that looks like, you know, whether for our family or, but I know that we need to be a part of it um, more than, you know, it's not like a yes or no. It is a yes in what capacity sort of thing. Well, and I have to say how much I love to hear that from someone who is not a foster adoptive parent. I mean, yeah, we say that all the time, but how beautiful it is to hear from someone. It's sort of like how men make the best feminists, like (laughs) to hear from, from someone outside of the foster adoptive community speaking basically to their own of yeah. what it looks like to catch vision for adoption, not necessarily meaning that you're ever going to adopt. Right, right. So what does that look like for you practically? Um, for us, like right now, it's mostly been just praying through that process for other people and supporting people who are doing that. Um, but honestly, for Valmarie Paper, we have um, another company that we know of that is looking to do an adoption um, nonprofit. And we've already talked about a percentage of our sales going to that um, just because we want to be a part of that more financially, just finding an organization that we can just pour all of those resources in and, you know, one that we know that is trustworthy and, you know, putting the funds where they need to go. It is such a gift. I feel like everyone should financially be involved in adoption. Either you are adopting or you are making it possible for someone else to adopt. It just kind of makes me think of any mission. You know, our, we say the way that we're involved with missionaries or the way we're involved with any of these things, you are the one at the front lines. And so I'm going to be the one back here sending supplies forward and making it possible. And we actually, I don't know if you've seen this on our website, but we have an adoption prayer journal. We had a pregnancy one and then we had a bunch of requests for an adoption one. And it was something that I was like, well, obviously I don't feel equipped to create this. Mm -hmm. And we had somebody who had gone through the process. um, Nicole V. Cole is her Instagram handle, but she, she actually adopted or was in the process of adopting and actually got pregnant at the same time. So I think her, her kids, she's a boy and a girl, um, just a few months apart, but she wrote the content for it or like the categories for how to pray through different things. And I like cried reading it because you just realize what a process it is and, and just how much they need that support going through that. So, um, 
yeah, we haven't thought about that, but um, maybe doing like proceeds like from those sales would be something easy that we could just jump into doing right now, actually. Cool. I will link to that also, that adoption journal. So you, we've been talking a little bit about Valmarie paper. I got my first Valmarie journal years ago from a friend. And I have to say it's the only prayer journal that I've used consistently and have really found fruitful for me. I love it. So I want to go into our questions of what are you doing, eating, reading, watching, listening to, but I'm actually going to assign you your answer. I want you to talk about Valmarie Paper. Yeah. um, Valmarie Paper is the company that I, I had actually started it as wedding invitations, but whenever I was pregnant with my first daughter, just experiencing, um, I'm a hypochondriac and I experienced so many things that I just, it made me completely anxious. I was not as much anxious about motherhood as I was just those symptoms because of that, but I needed something to organize my thoughts and my prayers. And, um, I basically just created this monthly format that allows you to write out prayers for different categories based on the world, nation, community, um, your family, yourself, um, you fill it out once prayerfully and then you can just pick it up and take it with you. And you know, it's, I feel like in our hearts, we know what we want to pray for when we sit down, but it is so easy to get distracted. So to be able to have this journal, just able to like, you know, open it up and immediately dive into prayer. Um, it's definitely changed my life. It's changed my experience as a mom. Um, and it has definitely gotten rid of a lot of my anxiety and different things like that. I say gotten rid of, but obviously the Lord has through the prayer, (laughs) the journal didn't exactly get rid of it, but, um, but yeah, we have, it's been crazy. We like, I just created it for myself and wanted to, um, I needed to print 50 of them for my printer to actually make me one. And we've sold over 60, 70,000 of them at this point. And it's just a reminder that like, I am not the only one who struggles with prayer and struggles mm-hmm. with focus. So it was a very unexpected twist in my life. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. Basically. I love another part of it. Part of it is just being organized, but the other part is I think we can be tempted to keep our prayers pretty selfish. (laughs) One of the things that can motivate us to prayer is just the anxiety for ourselves. And so I love the world, the community, but like this, Oh, wait a second. I have to stop. This isn't just a me dropping all of my anxieties at God's feet, which it should be, but also a time for me to intentionally pray for those outside of myself and the people that I'm worried about. And I love that the way that you point us to look at others also. Yeah. And I mean, the world putting that one first was intentional because that's not something I am, you know, some people say it's hard to pray for themselves. I'm like, no, listen, I could pray for myself all day long. I need the reminder that the world is bigger than me. God is so if God can take care of the world, God can take care of my little problems. So to start with the world was intentional and probably selfish of me <laughs> to do I that. I love what you just said. Cause I saw it just as like, okay, let's start with someone else. Cause we know we can spend forever on me, but that like, it also yeah. just brings your view onto God in a different way that he yes. is that big. And then also, um, interested in the small details of our lives. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now I want to know what are you eating? I am eating 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm trying, I'm about to try to eat healthy because I just found out, I think I have something with candida, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but mm. has to do, do with the gut. I have yeah. felt so much fatigue lately and um, I kind of thought it was just the book uh, feeling burnout after that, but I felt, I was like, I slept good. I didn't like overwork myself and um, just that and a couple of other symptoms I think I think I will be eating pretty clean um here soon but now doesn't that even mean cutting out like fruit like natural sugar um I think so I don't think I have a severe case or anything like anything so I, I don't think I'll probably like try to do the least I don't want to say do yeah, the least yeah. amount of removal of foods but I'll probably like just try to wean myself and see what happens um yeah We'll right, see. What's, I'm going to ask a super unhelpful question. What's the hardest thing that you're going to have to give up? Um, chocolate, dark chocolate. There you yeah. Go. I have some that I enjoy every day. It's in the book, but, um, and I enjoy it in a healthy way now, but it'll, it'll definitely still be a challenge and I'll probably have to go read that chapter yeah. <laughs> daily to remind myself. That's the benefit of reading a book. Okay. All the lessons that you yeah. need, you write them down for others. And then you're like, oh crap, got to go read that chapter again. <laughs> well, it's funny. I'll see somebody share something and I'm like, did I write that? Okay. I need to hear that today too. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. What are you reading? I am reading a couple of books. I'm reading Lack, wait, Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. Um, and I'm actually reading one. I'm working on my next book is actually going to be on prayer. So I'm reading about prayer and fasting. Um, fasting is something I feel like I have read tons of books on prayer, but none really cover fasting. So I just had to find a whole book on it. And, um, I'm learning a lot already. I'm not very far in, but I'm, I'm definitely learning more. I've fasted, you know, one day, here and there throughout, uh, ever since college, but I'm just learning so much about the heart of it, um, more than I have ever known. So I'm excited and I'm excited to just be able to share that part of the journey of, um, of just how my prayer life has transformed. And, you know, the book is all about just how the every, we go through different stages of learning about prayer. Like we figure one thing out and then there's something else we learn about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're never just like, we don't just arrive, you know, but we do, there is this beautiful process that we go through as we learn. So that's, that'll just be the next step of that. So. Awesome. That, that is, I think so needed to hear from a, a woman, especially, I think yeah. just another mom sort of in the trenches of motherhood and wifedom and just speaking to what it looks like to bring prayer into those arenas. Yeah. One of my favorite books of all time is a praying life. Do you know a praying? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Paul E. Miller. Holy moly. Yes. That is a good book. It's so good and so foundational. Like I just yeah. feel like it's, it's, it answers a lot of questions for sure. Yeah. That book for me was less about the act of prayer and more about the way I viewed God. It oh, taught me yeah. so much about just seeing God as someone that like, I need to get my act together for, and that I need to be like good enough to approach. And it taught me so much about grace. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right. What are you watching? 
Um, usually it is Brooklyn Nine-Nine or with our girls. My oldest is in dance and she, we love watching World of Dance. So if, um, if World of Dance is on, we usually have a picnic in the living room oh, and so mac and cheese. So yeah, they're always like, is there mac and cheese? And we're like, we have been doing that every night we watch World of Dance. So it's yeah. become a thing. Yeah. Yeah. those are the kind of things don't you think that like you remember from your childhood those stupid little like yes vacations and huge things and it was like those little moments of like pulling out the blankets and sitting and watching that are so sweet to you and I feel like as moms we can be like I have to create this whole thing and it's like that's what your kid is going to remember yeah no that's (laughs) that's a really good reminder all right what are you listening to I listen to a lot of podcasts so yeah podcast what's your favorite which i'm um you know because i honestly i was just listening to one it's called wellness mama and it is like just as i'm like thinking okay if i'm gonna have to change my diet or you know like starting to clean i have to be inundated with this information like i just realized that if you start to think about yourself as like i'm a healthy person or this is you know like i don't know how to say it i know um in the book Atomic Habits, the author talked a lot about just identifying yourself as a person who does these things makes it easier than just trying to change your habits. So Mm -hmm. honestly, like I'm learning about like words that I've never heard before on this podcast. And I'm just like, I, it's just weird to like, feel like I'm a person who listens to this. So yeah, I can eat something healthier, you know, like I can't choose a healthier option at a restaurant when normally that's just not my personality. So <laughs> do you listen to fiction podcasts? Cause I am brand new to the fiction. Well, I shouldn't say fiction. I've, I've yeah. listened to season one of up and vanish. So that's not fiction, but like entertainment. I've always yes. listened to like theology and, and living things, but. Okay. You if you, I've listened to one, it was called last scene. It was about, um, the biggest, the most expensive, like, um, stolen works of art from uh, this place in Boston and it's kind of like a thriller not a thriller but it's like a mystery but it's not violent or anything like that because I can't handle much of that stuff as you guys all know from my why I wrote this book but um I it was really good and I've like wanted to listen to it again but up and what, what did you say what was the one you well have it, listened you to? don't I know you said you don't watch horror movies you don't do this you're not gonna no. listen to that. <laughs> it's called up and if you, okay if you find any like light-hearted ones I'll yeah, take yeah. that <laughs> well, I'm like brand new to this to me podcasts were always about like learning information yeah. from another person and now I'm like oh my gosh it's this whole like tv like medium to entertain in my car <laughs> yeah yeah or while you're like folding laundry and everything exactly. like that. That's, i yeah i need to find some more because it is relaxing to listen to you know because you're right i have been the same way with all right i want everyone to know where they can find you before we sign off so where can everyone find you online um valmariepaper.com and um on instagram it's val warner and it's w-o-e R-N-E-R. Cool. And I'll link to that. Val, it has been great to chat with you. I love the message of your book. I love your book. I 
am going to keep preaching it and keep sharing it with everyone. Like read this book. It will bring you joy. I think what I love about it is it reminds me of like going to accountability group is what we call it in my church where you're just and confessing the struggles you're going through and hearing moms speak truth to your heart, talk at you with theology, but then share the practicals too. So yeah. I love so much just the way that you share truth from God's word, but then also sort of like just momming tips for what it can look like to, to have a heart change, a behavior change. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That's like with everything with Valmary paper, I'm like, I always wanted it to be something where somebody's like, okay, that's really cool information. Now, what do I do with it? Like right. I, I want us to you know, help us get somebody up and moving with that. Yeah. That like marriage of theology and practical living. I love it. So I'm so glad to be able to share you with my listeners. Thank you so much just for talking today. Thank you for your heart for adoption, even as someone who isn't in it right now. I'm so grateful just for you sharing your wisdom and sharing your story with us. So thanks Val. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.